Welcome to Shortcut to Sunday. I'm Ben. And I'm Bruce. And this is your podcast for September 25th, 2022, the 16th Sunday after Pentecost in year C. And we are coming to you not live on behalf of Holy Family Episcopal Church in Fishers, Indiana. Bruce, how are you? I am fine. Very good. Very good. I'm going to take a quick moment here at the top of the bar- uh, broadcast to uh, uh, shout out some some uh, some personal praise. Mm-hmm. Uh, this past week, uh, Bethany and the kids and I went and celebrated the ending of a 50-year ministry to the church uh, for her dad. Um, 50 years. 34 of them with the uh, the, the church that he uh, celebrated his last Sunday this past Sunday. That's amazing. Uh, it it it's incredible. I can't yeah. do. I don't think I can do anything for fifty years. <laughs> Bethany's already told me she's not putting up with me that long. Uh, so you have a shelf life. <laughs> I do have a shelf life, a half life at the very least. Um, but uh, but yeah. So uh, an, an amazing uh, experience to to to. I get to see uh, all the lives that uh, that that a single individual can touch, yeah, uh, in such powerful ways. And and it, uh, similarly, her uh, stepmother is also uh, um, uh, taking a step down from ministry. She's been doing um, uh, the worship service, uh, being a worship service leader, and and uh-huh. and, uh, and and various uh, leadership roles there in the church for that same period of time with wow. that with that with that church. And maybe not fifty years. She's a couple of years right. younger than him, but. Uh, um, 34 of them with that with that church. So just it absolutely incredible uh, experience. Um, can't wait for your 34th anniversary here at at, <laughs> at Holy Family. The, the, no, the last church before this one I served, um, Saint Matthias in Whittier, California. I was the first rector in living memory and beyond who did not serve at least 20 years there. Ah, quitter. I, I, I quit. <laughs> in year 12, I was a quitter. <laughs> Joined the diocesan staff here in Indianapolis. It's such a, uh, it is such a, a difficult role uh, to, to, I think, to fill. Uh, and uh, and uh, um, oftentimes, yeah, the calling does, uh, does require you to, to be flexible in the move a lot. Uh, yeah. Uh, it, it it that number of years in one in one location is is the exception to the rule. Uh, oh yeah, uh, for for sure because it is it is a it is a lot. So wanted to give a, a shout out to, uh, sure. to to Gary Black and uh, Julie Black for their many many years in in service and knowing them. Uh, uh, it just cha- it's just a change to how they are going to serve. <laughs> uh, the, uh, I'm sure they'll take some time off, and then uh, we'll find them doing something. <laughs> God bless them. So, uh, as far as uh, at, at our parish, uh, what all's going on? We've got we're we're back to our uh, nine o'clock hour um, mm-hmm. um, uh, educational offerings for for all uh, all different age groups. Uh, we've got uh, a men's breakfast coming up here on the twenty fourth. Yep, this Saturday. Um, we've got uh, another uh, movie with a social conscience coming up. I think it's next week. Is it uh-huh. Tuesday? Wednesday. Wednesday. Um, from, yeah, week from. What's the Wednesday. What's the movie this this month? Um, Son of the South. Son of the South. Different yeah. from Song of the South. Very. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's it's real. Just want to make real sure. people and acting and um it's another story it's a story of a um white man who moves from racism to uh civil rights activity oh okay okay interesting interesting very good uh and what else what do what else do we have going on uh anything uh, well, we need to this, highlight uh 9 a.m this coming sunday the youth group will tell us about their mission trip uh, oh cool in the parish hall yeah. Very good. Very good. Um, all right. Well, then uh, let's uh, let's move over to our um, uh, this day in church history because we've got a lot going on. Um, uh, so I've got a lot of things to get to. Uh, we're going to begin in 1392. We see the death of uh, Sergius of Radonez, uh, a mon- monastic reformer and one of the most revered saints of Russia. He refor- his reforms had emphasized that monks should live by their own labors, uh, and 40 groups went out from his original monastery, uh, the Trinity Lavra of St. Sergius. 
settling in difficult places that they cultivated until they became centers of expanding civilization. So um, an, an indication that uh, part of the Russian map was uh, was was carved uh, mm-hmm. not by necessarily settlers, but by monasteries. Same And the same thing happened in uh, Western Europe and the British Isles. Yeah. So, Dif- different people involved, of course, because sure. it wasn't part of the Orthodox Church. Um 1555, the promulgation of the Peace of Augsburg, which created a legal basis for Lutheran and Catholic states to live side by side in the Holy Roman Empire. Um, that was quite an accomplishment, too. Yeah. I mean, it didn't always hold up. Uh, and that's also true. <laughs> but it is interesting that I have questions about this because it's okay. a... Well, I don't know if they're answerable, uh, but uh, like uh, um, uh, needing a legal basis, like... Uh, it seems like there had to be some sort of legal uh, theory as to why that would be okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, because for two reasons, one is the uh, political jurisdiction. Okay. By by this point, uh, had continued the ancient practice of the ruling class getting to ter- determine the religion of the region. Oh, okay, okay. So, you know, going back thousands of years on that one. And so to have, in a sense, a different god acknowledged uh, just a few feet away in terms of the border right, uh, was almost an automatic reason to go to war at drop of a hat. Sure. So the ability to coexist was huge. Wouldn't the legal, legal basis be, hey, it's the same god? That would be too easy. Though <laughs> <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so I'm, I'm sure that was part of the thinking, of course. Um, but just no church people probably were willing to officially say that. Uh, and the whole thing of this upstart Lutheranism being allowed to uh, not just exist, but coexist as an equal with the uh, Roman Catholic Church mm-hmm. was... Um, an, an amazing event that makes sense uh, it would it would be an indication of uh, uh, essentially the the church being willing to acknowledge and give up power yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, in some small way um, so well, pretty significant way because at, yeah. at this point the uh, most of the church's power came from the political structure not the mm. people in the pews gotcha interesting so um we move forward a few years 1643 we see the members of the westminster assembly and the scottish commissioners subscribe to and this is the whole reason why i want to read this one subscribe to a group called the solemn league and covenant wow so (laughs) that is eat your heart out justice league uh (laughs) a lot which uh, ends up allying them uh uh, parliament with the scots covenanters so it's essentially the I like the name though. Yeah, it's a Sol- great name. The Solemn League and Covenant. <laughs> Meanwhile, in the Solemn <laughs> Solemn League and Covenant. But you gotta say it with a Scottish accent, which I can never Well pull meanwhile off. in the Solemn League and Covenant. <laughs> oh, excellent. <laughs> right, you rogue. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah. Uh so uh, what a cool name. <laughs> yes. And it's essentially the um the solidifying of the birth of the Presbyterian tradition. Oh, okay, okay. That's not that's not in here. That why is right. that in here? <laughs> well, it would overshadow that cool name. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> you just sprinkle it in a couple more times. <laughs> yeah. Well, and one of the interesting things I read in all the uh, great writing around the death of Queen Elizabeth was technically when she went to Scotland, she was Presbyterian because when all the various treaties came around that solidified the British Empire, Scotland was still, um, by state (coughs) declaration, a Presbyterian church. Ah, And so she had to agree, the monarch, back whenever that treaty took place, I'm sorry, I'm rusty on that this morning, had to promise to support the Presbyterian church and worship as a Presbyterian. Hmm. Otherwise, all the other places the queen went, she was active and would worship in... Anglican churches, like when she came to the United States, she'd worship in Episcopal churches. Interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. 
the it's com- trivial, but interesting. Yeah, the the monarch uh, religious chameleon. Yeah, uh, kinda, yeah. which is kind of cool. Yeah, um, yeah. A, 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 a far a far uh, uh, cry from um, monarchs of old, for sure. Yes. Um, so that's yeah, that's why it caught my eye. Yeah. Uh, 1727, we see the death of Jacques Abadi, or Abadé. I'm not sure how to pronounce his... Uh, his... Abadou. Abadou. <laughs> Obladi. Ob- <laughs> yeah, I got it. That was my reference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but Jacques, uh, so uh, apologies for butchering your probably French name. Um, uh, he'd become a doctor of theology at the age of 17, organized Huguenot churches in Berlin, and pastored in France, England, and Ireland, he was a Calvinist. His writings, such as The Truth of the Christian Religion, had battled atheism, Arianism, deism, and Socianism. I'm not, I'm not quite familiar with Socianism, uh, but interesting that in 1727, uh, uh, early, uh, maybe early combatant, combating of uh, uh, Arianism um, in Berlin. Well, actually, it's kind of late. <laughs> But 1720, 17, 17, yeah. Arianism was much bigger back around 700. Oh, because we always kind of, kind of associate that with, uh, with, with, uh, the world wars. Uh, uh, oh yeah. Okay. I was totally in church mode mm. and yeah. Arianism in heresies is different from the German cultural. We're the best. Yeah. Uh, all right, so there's a giant entry for Socianism, but the short blurb is a non-Trinitarian belief system ah. deemed heretical by the Catholic Church and other Christian traditions. Um, so, so not Father, Son, Holy Spirit not being one mm-hmm. uh, um, uh, was was uh, on on the list. And that's actually the probably yeah, that's what most of those had in common mm. that he was objecting to is that they were non-trinitarian uh 1789 elias Bino. Uh, uh, no no how would you say that bodino yeah that would be it. elias bodino a representative of new jersey asks congress to appoint a joint committee of the house and senate to approach president washington with a petition to proclaim a day of thanksgiving this sparks vigorous debate about separation of church and state and whether the president has the authority under the Constitution. Uh, in the end, the resolution is approved. President Washington, mindful of the limits of his authority, requests the individual states to comply with his proclamation rather than a demand. Have to. Yeah. So Interesting. <clears throat> so uh, Thanksgiving, by the way, just in case anybody <laughs> missed that. Uh, but I don't... This day in church history... But I don't think it was is at that time associated with what we now associate with in pilgrims and Jesus. Mm-hmm. Correct. Yeah, that, that gives you an idea as to uh, the the origin um, was just uh, was more uh, church driven as far as like, hey, what if we made everybody in America thank God? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but if I recall, it had more to do with um, the formation of the United States. <clears throat> Uh, very possibly. I mean, obviously, this is a short entry. It, yeah. It's it, uh, it giving an authority for the date uh, for the book, uh, Thanksgiving and America, um, uh, which is a uh, Melanie Kirkpatrick book. So, um, oh, yeah. if you want, if you want to learn more uh, about uh, at least there's the footnote the the history as as uh, according to that reference, mm-hmm. uh, 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 Thanksgiving in America. Mm-hmm. Uh, 1835, Episcopal bishops uh, George Washington Doan, William White, and others consecrate Jackson Kemper for work on the American frontier. Yay. And it says in parentheses, Missouri and Indiana. Yeah. Uh, the event takes place in St. Peter's Church in Philadelphia. Yeah. Jackson, Jackson Kemper was huge in growing the Episcopal Church on the, the frontier, quote unquote. Um, Indiana and... Missouri, and then later Wisconsin and Minnesota. Uh, he was the first, after he did that work, he was the first bishop of the state of Indiana. Hmm. Um, and one of the points of pride old Episcopal <clears throat> churches have is whether is that if, if they are what's called a Kemper church, hmm. which means that he founded that congregation. Interesting. In, um, his 
Spoiler, we're not a Kemper church. We are not a Kemper church. <laughs> we were established a few years later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like 100 or more. But I'm sure if you look super hard, we could find a tether of some sort. Oh, of course. Um, and for a lot of, even before he became and Bishop here, he uh, spent a lot of his um, time in Indianapolis as the headquarters for his missionary activities. Hmm. Great, great guy. Amazing work he did the way you said that was like knew him great knew him well well i've read i read so much about him and have heard so many tales about good him. old jackson I've we read, grew up together on the i've read his journals <laughs> and... very good uh 1836 we see the death of luther luther rice a missionary advocate who sailed to india as a congregationalist converted to baptist views and returned to the united states to urge baptists to form mission societies uh which he succeeded in the south he also founded Columbian College, the first unit of George Washington University. Oh, good for him. Uh, 1879, after a lengthy stay in America to recuperate from the effects of exhaustion, Dr. Clara Swain, a missionary doctor, sails from the United States to return to her medical work in India. Uh, I'm not sure. That name super sounds familiar, and I can't remember why. Um, yeah, it's not ringing. It's ringing a very dim bell. <laughs> that, that's a word used to describe me a lot. Uh, <laughs> um, we see uh, 1897, William Ross founds America's Keswick Colony of Mercy uh, as a spiritual restoration center for men who have become addicted to alcohol. Oh, okay. Um, 1929, J. Gresham Macon Ma Ma gives the inaugural address of Westminster Seminary to a class of 50 students and some guests. Uh, and uh, let's see here, just a couple more. Uh, 1941, the death of Warren Aiken uh, Candler, a prominent figure in the Methodist Episcopal Church South and the first chancellor of Emory University, ah. a strong proponent of traditional Christian morals and a vigorous opponent of racism, he spoke out strongly against lynching and insisted on an integrating the the faculty of Payne sorry Payne Institute, a college that he helped found to educate African American clergy. Neat. Um, Nineteen fifty-seven, we see the death of Baptist pastor Jove Ijovi Agambi. I'm sorry if I butchered that because I'm sure I did. Years earlier, as a young teacher, he had been flogged in uh, Sanubi for helping destroy an idol. Kind of an interesting yeah. uh, sounding story. Leaving town, he met a pastor who encouraged him to become a pastor too. When Baptist leaders had asked him to work in Lagos, he declined, wanting to bring the gospel to his own people. This had offended them so greatly that they, they cut off his financial aid. Woo! Yeah. Uh, however, uh, Agambi... flogging, though. Yeah, right? It did beat flogging. Agambi had carried uh, out his vision, establishing several churches among his people, founding schools and a Baptist hospital, and translating hymns into African languages, so he didn't need your money anyway. Neither, neither. <laughs> uh, and uh, lastly, 1995, Raz al-Yusuf, a Egy Egyptian magazine, uh, publishes an article by Muslim journalist uh, Hassan Abe al-Gawad, uh, uh, stating that from mid-August to mid-September, more than a dozen Coptic Christians have been murdered in Upper Egypt. The writer says that the murders were well-organized with defined goals and covered up by the government. Uh, I don't know if you are familiar with the rest of that story, uh, but it doesn't go great for the Egyptian magazine, uh, if I if it, I recall. Yeah. Uh, and... Um, there were a lot of threats uh, against them. And that, that problem has um, blossomed yet again in Egypt yeah. this year. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of attacks on Christian congregations and their buildings. Yeah. Didn't they know that uh, way back when, when was it? Uh, when was it? In uh, 1555, there was a propagation of peace of Osberg <laughs> that we should have just taken a, a, a notation from. Yeah. Uh, it already established a legal basis for Lutherans and Catholics to live together. Why not? Should be able to be applied. Mm -hmm. Seems like a seems like the groundwork was already be set. Um, Gotta reinvent the wheel. <laughs> sadly, sadly. Um, so, well, then let's go back even further in church history mm -hmm. by going back to our first reading uh, uh, for this week, which comes from, to us from the book of Amos. Angry Amos again Angry this week. Amos. Uh, I'm sure he's had a change of heart and is in a great mood. <laughs> Amos, 
I think it's even worse than last week, but that's just me. <laughs> Amos chapter 6, verse 1a, and then 4 through 7. Alas, for those who are at ease in Zion, and for those who feel secure on Mount Samaria, alas, for those who lie on beds of ivory and lounge on their couches and eat lambs from the flock, and calves from the stall, who sing idle songs to the sound of the harp, and like David improvise on instruments of music, who drink wine from bowls and anoint themselves with the finest oils, but are not grieved uh, over the ruin of Joseph. Therefore, they shall now be the first to go into exile, and the revelry of the loungers shall pass away. Um, yeah, I have to admit, midway through that reading, I was kind of like, boy, this does sound nice, though. <laughs> Not entirely sure about the beds of ivory. That sounds somewhat uncomfortable. Um, but uh, lounging on couches and eating lambs, drinking wine, improv improvis improvisational music. Uh, I'm not sure how that drew his ire, but the, the uh, first known criticism of that jazz stuff. <laughs> that jazz stuff. <laughs> These kids with their jazz yeah. trying to be like David. Um, uh, but yeah, and then and then uh, uh, then he brings it back of like, yeah, you're you're gonna be the first to go. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> yeah, and again, this was a time where the uh, the lifestyle that Amos describes here in popular theology, um, the guy on the street would say, oh, God is really blessing that person. That's why they sure. tend to have a bed frame made out of ivory mm -hmm. and um, be able to play jazz whenever they want. <laughs> yeah, really, it, it, I'm reading that uh, verse 5 again, and it really is the – you could have plucked that out and, and and changed a few words on it and made it like the criticism of the Beatles or yeah. – <laughs> who sing idol songs. These songs don't even mean anything. <laughs> the drum songs. I am the walrus. What is this, what is this band that you like? This is ridiculous. Um <laughs> So in a way, he does kind of come off as the old curmudgeon. Yeah. Like, you just wouldn't understand, Amos. <laughs> this music means everything to me. Open your heart, man. Um, this is an old dead white guy stuff. <laughs> oh goodness. <laughs> um, so, so I mean, let, let's. Are are there? I mean, obviously, this is a critique and a criticism of lavish living. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, upper class. Upper class. So is is it simply, uh, hey, you know, um, is there or is there hidden, I shouldn't say hidden meaning, but but like a veiled meaning uh, behind any of this? Are there like, as you as you read through any of this stuff, would you would the reader of the time be like, oh, that's yeah, no, you shouldn't, you know, no one should be doing that. Like beds of ivory, or is there any like? It's, I mean, it is truly conspicuous consumption. Okay, because I know, like, every once in a while, we'll have like a reading of like uh, there was the the the, the, the passage talking about. Uh, which basically implied like, oh, they didn't even like they they, they were. I think we had it just a week ago or or two ago, uh, sweeping up the uh, the the the, the leftovers yeah. on the floor and instead of giving them to the poor like they're supposed to, mm -hmm. bundling them back up and trying to make a profit out of them. Yeah, which isn't apparent in the reading, uh, but once you know that that's the tradition. So is there anything like that here, or is this just pure putting down the the upper crust? Well, it, the only thing that's not clear is how deep the insults are or criticisms. Mm, mm -hmm. So like the eat lambs from the flock and calves from the stall, the hearing those two together, um, the first listeners or readers would say, oh, that's what they're supposed to be sacrificing at the temple. Oh, okay. Instead, they're eating it themselves. Gotcha. And the, the verses before where we started today are about you, 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 you haven't sacrificed to God. Interesting. Okay. That would have been good context. This yeah. is a relatively short reading. It would yeah. have been nice to have those extra three verses. Yeah. Um, or sorry, two. Two verses. Yeah. <laughs> two and a half, two and a quarter. Um, uh, because, yeah, that would, that would kind of color it uh, as far as like instead of doing your – religious duty that, mm -hmm. that God has called you in, in this covenant to do, you're 
taking what would what should be given to God and putting yourself basically putting yourself in God's shoes. Exactly. Like this is for this is for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And when when animals were sacrificed in the temple, most of the time, what was cooked um, was given to the poor. Oh, okay. So, you know, it's a double win. So, uh, gotcha. So it's similar to last week's reading, yeah. which was, you know, so not only are you not giving to God, you're not giving to those less fortunate yeah. than you in the traditional manner that our society has has established already. Let alone any other manner. <laughs> right. In any other manner. Um, uh, I'm curious as to the word uh, or words lounge and loungers as to maybe how they are translated. Let's see. Um because that's a very that's a fairly modern word. I'm I'm I, I like that it became a noun. Um, you know what I mean? Loungers, like a, lounge chair. a bunch of loungers. Um, interestingly, this chapter is the only place it occurs, hmm. um, and it and others will translate as stretch out. Okay. Um, and so, if the translation is to stretch out on their couches, what did they put on the on on verse seven? How does it translate there? Let's see. Or does it the revelry of those who stretch out? Um, I know it's such a fascinating question. The well, world I'm, needs I'm, to know. I'm reading it in Hebrew, so that's... <laughs> it becomes a bit of a challenge. It's a lot slower. <laughs> it's the same word, I believe. Okay. Okay, so interesting. So we... we um, so, uh, uh, well, the structure. Oh, uh, no. I'm, I'm sorry. Recline. Recline. Rather than stretch out. Uh, I gotcha. Okay. And the connotations there are it really is a leisure time thing. Gotcha. That you can do whatever you want with this time. And you are free to relax. Right. So it... <clears throat> Kind of implies also that maybe they have not earned uh, or and they don't For actively sure. earn uh, this this station that they have uh, and uh, and again rather than giving to the poor and working a little bit they're enjoying the freedom of a completely unburdened life. What is okay? Yeah. What does it mean by this um, then? Um, they're they're supposed to be grieved over the ruin of Joseph. Uh, this passage doesn't exactly tell us what Amos means by that. What happened to Joseph that the that that he sees they should be doing something different? Uh, now I'm you've got me back into the Hebrew. <laughs> because Joseph, if I remember, if I recall. I mean that that story ended up pretty well. Yeah. So, um, but they're okay. Is I, it a different Joseph? No. Uh, well, we don't know because Joseph is just a name. But at least the way it's traditionally been interpreted is the Joseph. Mm -hmm. um, and the context of this of this whole passage is why are why were the wealthy taken into captivity? Mm. And Joseph was um, essentially in captivity in Egypt when he escaped from his brothers trying to kill him. Right. Um, and that, like you said, that turned out well. Right. But it also set the seeds for why eventually the Israelites were enslaved as, okay. a, as a people. So you know, it's, a, it's a callback to what the uh, people who are thoroughly immersed in the stories of the Hebrew people would say, uh-oh. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, so this reference isn't so much like, Hey, you're not grieving the way you should. It's more saying like, you've clearly forgotten the lessons instilled in us from, you know, these stories of old, the stories of just who had to work his butt off in order to save his family. Uh, and, and the people of Israel from famine. Right, right, right. right. Um, and then maybe you could, you know, there, there is still the story of enslavement thereafter, yeah. uh, but, it, but it's basically saying like, you've, you've lost your way on 
and forgotten these stories. You've forgotten all of the guidance from your ancestors. Got it. Okay. And all these, all they gave up in order for you to have an opportunity of having a prosperous kingdom. Right. Which you're about to lose. <laughs> right. And Amos is right in that. Uh, yep. I'm not sure. I'd be kind of curious the historical context as to when this was written. Was like the writing already on the wall that, like, oh, Babylon's coming. <laughs> the Babylonians well, yeah. are coming. And they're like 20 miles away. Scribble, scribble, scribble. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to get yours. <laughs> Probably tomorrow. <laughs> Amos out. <laughs> yes. Mm. Uh, we, don't, we, we can't be sure the exact date. There isn't a computer stamp on it. Right, right. But yeah, he was writing at the time of the beginning of the Babylonian conquering of Israel and the taking of um, Israelites into slavery in Babylonia. So, it, yeah, it would not have, you wouldn't even need to be a prophet to know they were coming. So it very well could have been written ahead of time or could have been written as, you know, on the road or as soon as they arrived in captivity. Hmm. Okay. Uh, anything else about uh, Angry Amos? Um Shaking his fist at jazz music and or and or ja jazz flute, <laughs> <laughs> jazz harp, um, and uh, and the loungers, the recliners. Yeah, I'm, what the? Okay, this is just one little thing. People say, "Oh no, bed of ivory, that'd be so uncomfortable." Probably it was the bed frame. Sure, sure, and sure, sure, sure. Yeah, this is a bed of nails. And, yeah, <laughs> kind of like uh, and, yeah. Well, I mean, and there are so many. Snazzy clothes that are so uncomfortable have you, to wear. Have you never fallen asleep on an ivory pillow? <laughs> Your head really conforms to the tusks. <laughs> <laughs> and it goes back to criticisms in other places of foreign kings mm. who had all sorts of ornamentation of carved ivory. Gotcha. Gotcha, gotcha. So he's saying you're you're just as bad as these guys that right. God gave us the power to conquer hundreds of years ago. Yeah, yeah. Maybe even implying like, oh, when it happened, your forefathers were like, that's a pretty nice bit of ivory, though. <laughs> <laughs> Yoink! <laughs> well, in Amos's view of history, no, it would have been that is so offensive. How many of the poor could we have fed? Mm. If we had had access to that ivory. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, again, lessons forgotten. They're doing the same exact things that um, caused the downfall of past kingdoms. Interesting. Well, let's move on to uh, Psalm 146. Psalm 146. This is the whole psalm, it looks like. Yeah. Uh, and it's, uh, so it's 10 verses. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. I will praise the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praises to my God all my life long. Do not put your trust in princes and mortals in whom there is no help. When their breath departs, they return to the earth. On that very day, their plans perish. Happy are those whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord their God, who made heaven and earth the sea and all that is in them, who keeps their faith forever, who executes justice for the oppressed, who gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets the prisoners free. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the strangers. He upholds the orphan and the widow, but the way of the wicked he brings to ruin. The Lord will reign forever, your God. O Zion, for all generations, praise the Lord. Uh, this time around, we, we don't have what we sometimes have uh, uh, in, in a psalm reading where uh, uh, uplifting and then and like we do have it, but it's not that 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 harsh of, yeah. a, of a, like a half and half of like, oh, great is God. Praise be to him. May all the children uh, who uh, of those who oppose him burn and <laughs> crumble. And you know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. Uh, we have just this 
small line of but the way of the wicked he brings to ruin and we're done and we're done we're done <laughs> we're, we we're not re- yeah we're not <laughs> resting on it we're not uh, we're not talking a lot about it um uh so what do we know anything about uh psalm 146 well i okay i'm having a deja vu moment Ooh. um where i thought so there was a change in the matrix got it oh okay what sorry. did you say again yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we went blurry for a minute okay that's Deep trivia. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's okay. The, the deja vu thing is, I think sometime recently we've had one Psalm one forty seven, forty eight, forty nine, or fifty. Um, and I was just glancing through the calendar. I don't see where it was, so maybe not. Anyway, it is the first of the closing Psalms of the Book of Psalms. One fifty is the last Psalm, and as Many editors of scripture have decided it was decided that it should end on an up note. Hmm. And so, yes, these last four psalms are psalms of praise. We have had that discussion before. I don't yeah, know. How doesn't long that it, sound familiar? It's it, 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 it's uh, uh, I'm sure it's been like nine months. Yeah. And we're just thinking it was like yesterday. Well, and we shouldn't presume anyone listening to this has listened to anything else we've ever said. So. It is important True. to note that the editors of the Book of Psalms decided to end with psalms of praise rather than including some laments or other forms of psalm that we've been talking about through the year. And so here we go. This is the one of the most famous lines of praise. I will praise the Lord as long as I live. I will mm-hmm. sing praises to my God all my life long. Yeah. And of course, that's a great example that we've talked about so often of how Hebrew poetry works of repeated thought. Right. Yeah. Rather Restated than, with different words. Yeah. Um, rather than going for rhyme or certain um, number of syllables or right, something. Right. Right. Yeah. If, if this image doesn't catch your fancy, what about this one? Yeah. Or yeah. Or if this seems vague, here we go again. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Or just in case you weren't listening, Chet. <laughs> I'll say, <laughs> not paying attention in service again. I see you. Um, uh, yeah. So do do we have any idea as to uh, authorship? I, I, I think I feel like for a lot of them we we don't. I, I, a lot of credit gives uh, is is generally given. I think for for David for gathering these together. Um, um, well, actually, it, well depends which. Some people say that. Some will give um, David default authorship if mm-hmm. it's not clear who else might have written it. It does seem like the tonality of the different psalms does change almost psalm to psalm. Though. Well, yeah. Uh, so I I kind of get the feeling like it, I kind of get the vibe that it's not David writing 80% of these. You know what I mean? Yeah. it's It just couldn't have happened. And I mean, it could have. Could have, but he he, did, he really didn't take that much of a break from his jazz, uh, improvis- <laughs> improvisational jazz. Uh, so now I'm picturing his flaw going, bah, baby. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, folks, um, yeah, because many of the psalms, like this one, imply or make explicit. A, a type of worship that was not available in the time of David. Mm, mm-hmm. um, and this one has uh, various little pieces, which I'm now having trouble quick having trouble quickly scanning to find again, um, of temple worship. Mm-hmm. So a lot of scholars think that this was one of those psalms that a devout person would recite after making a prayer of thanksgiving. And since okay. this would be their closing hymn. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. And also the theology in it is not at all in conflict with anything earlier, but it is now spelled out in a more, I'm purposely using this term, modern way of mm. um the Lord sets the prisoners free. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the strangers. He upholds the orphan and widow. Yeah, though that very, not 
Not surprisingly, that sounds a lot like what Mary says in the Magnificat mm. hundreds mm-hmm. of years later, because she knew this song probably. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's a way of expressing God's special care for the poor and the forgotten that at the time of David had not yet developed. Mm. I mean, it was there, but it was more of we're the poor and forgotten. Yeah. (laughs) Whereas here it's more, they are not necessarily you. So keep an eye out for them because God sure does. Gotcha. Yeah. I really like, um, I really, for whatever reason, I'm drawn to this imagery that gets created in verse three and four. Uh, Do not put your trust in princes, in mortals, in whom there is no help. Isn't that true? Uh, (laughs) When their breath departs, they return to the earth on on that very day, their plans perish. Yeah. Um, Which is uh, just very, you know, for me, very interesting poetry of, of, of a a warning of like, hey, don't forget, like this stuff, the stuff that you worry about probably 80% of the time passes away the second you stop breathing yep like it's not that important yeah and and when, and i love that it says in whom there is no help yeah, <laughs> yeah. we're just not we're, we can't help the human Humans, side yeah they a human cannot grant salvation and again at the time of david there was there were no princes mm. in israel they had a king but was not an inherited <clears throat> status. Instead, it was uh, something a prophet would pro- would yeah. declare on someone. Yeah, appointed by, yeah. by God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's even using a term that would not have been relevant to an Israelite in the time of David. Gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, anything else about this song? Um, if you're ever down, this is a good one. Yeah, yeah, um, and and like you said, it doesn't completely ignore the evil that is around, mm-hmm. but it doesn't dwell on it either. It quickly lifts us out of those thoughts. Yeah. Well, let's move to our gospel reading for the week. Yes, Luke. We're still in Luke. Luke, Luke chapter sixteen, verse nineteen through thirty-one. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and who feasted sumptuously every day. And at his gate lay a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, who longed to satisfy his hunger with what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs would come and lick his sores. The poor man died and was carried away by the angels to be with Abraham. The rich man also died and was buried. In Hades, where he was being tormented, He looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. He called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in agony in these flames. But Abraham said, Child, remember that during your lifetime you received your good things, and Lazarus, in like manner, evil things. But now he is comforted here, and you are in agony. Besides all this, between you and us, a great chasm has been fixed so that those who might want to pass from here to you cannot do so. And no one can cross from there to us. He said, then father, I beg you to send him to my father's house for I have five brothers that he may warn them so that they will not also come into this place of torment. Abraham replied, they have Moses and the prophets. They should listen to them. He said, no, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. He said to him, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced, even if someone rises from the dead. Um, There's a lot going on here. Is this, this is a, this is parable adjacent um, in that it's a story. I don't know as if it's. Oh, it's a parable. Is it a parable? Yeah. Okay. It's mind blowing. Well, then let's let's uh, let's go let's identify the things that uh, would stand out to the audience as like, whoa, wait, what? Because <laughs> that's our favorite thing to do with parables. That's right. Well, first of all, that um, poor man Lazarus got to be at Abraham's bosom. Yeah. Because the popular theology was the poor must have done something to deserve it. Gotcha. 
And therefore, yeah, maybe that maybe afterlife will be good for them, but you know, they'll they'll be in the cheap seats. Gotcha. Uh, so there's that. Then as someone can probably guess, another feature is the rich dude. Mm-hmm. Who, that is that the rich dude has no name. Right. Um, like, wait a minute. The, we get to know the poor guy's name. Why don't you give a name to the rich guy? And sadly, in some translations, not many anymore, they um, use dive, which is uh, very close to Latin for rich man. Oh, okay. So that the rich man would have would a have name. a name. Huh. But that would destroy part of the parable. Right. Uh, he's a rich guy. Maybe in, probably in life people knew his name. Right. But like the psalm said, quickly forgotten. Today's psalm. Um, and so th- that, that that's the major parable is the complete reversal of status. Mm-hmm. Um then it turns into more of a almost prophecy when the story switches to the uh, rich man saying, oh, send Lazarus back and he can convince the rest of my rich family. And, you know, the punchline being, even if Lazarus was raised from the dead, no one would change anything. Right. Um, so it's obviously a foreshadowing of Jesus's resurrection, mm-hmm. but also showing that it wasn't just some guy who was right. resurrected. Mm-hmm. It was some guy that still, that was so amazing, um, that even if you didn't believe in God, your life was transformed mm-hmm. and then you realize, Oh, that's God. Mm-hmm. Uh, where is this in the timeline of the gospel for the story of Lazarus? It's not. It's not. I'm glad you asked that. Um, Lazarus, as a human, appears only in the gospel of John. Okay. And this story appears only in the gospel of Luke. Hmm. And here, it's truly a fictional character. Yeah, but, yes, but. Yes, but those 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 gospels also, uh, uh, while they exist kind of in a way on their own timeline, uh, exist concurrently with each other because they are talking about the same uh, same series of events. So, if one is to, to believe both stories to be true at some point in time, it does make me wonder whether or not Lazarus is in the audience going like, "Hey, man, don't." <laughs> Don't, no, I'm tired of this. Don't, don't make up a story about. I didn't know. I didn't, don't like because if if he was if if this occurs prior to Lazarus dying, uh, and foreshadowing his his death and resurrection, that is is one interesting thing. If it's after uh, he's called out of the tomb. Then maybe Lazarus is like, don't make up extra stuff. It's amazing and then story enough on its own. I don't need. What? Okay, there are a number. I don't need people oh. coming up to the to me after this service saying like, you should still visit his brothers. <laughs> Out of the kindness what, of your heart, Gilead. Oh, sorry for saying that. Yeah. <laughs> to go visit them. Right. Well. <laughs> There's, I'm just picturing it, Lazarus just like, <laughs> like being present but like slinking down. Well, like, and no, what no, 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 no. What would have been more embarrassing for Lazarus, just to play out this scenario, is that is that before he died, he was poor with dogs licking his sores, mm. um, because by John's description, he was living a thoroughly middle class lifestyle, right, with Mary and Martha, his sisters, right. Um, so well, Lazarus, you kind of fell I, down I your luck there. At the it end. wasn't that bad. <laughs> yeah. Don't tell him that. <laughs> so there, obviously, through the centuries, there's been lots of conversation about this, like we're having now. And Luke was definitely the Gospel of Luke was definitely written before the Gospel of John. Okay, but 
there's not a lot of scriptural evidence, as in text, that John referenced Luke. Okay. Mm -hmm. So it, it's pretty safe to say that these two um, stories developed independently. Okay. But it is possible that as John was putting together the Gospel of John, he said, anyone know the name of that guy who went yeah. and I think that I think I heard that story before. Lazarus, Lazarus, and people, yeah, I think it's Lazarus. That's possible, possible. But again, it would be taking a fictional story, right? A parable that Jesus right, told, right. and putting it on what, uh, hopefully, I, I think a real event. Because mm -hmm. part of the point in John is the point of part two of this parable, of. Yeah, Lazarus was raised from the dead, and only a handful of people changed their opinion about who Jesus was. Right, 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 right. Uh, so, yeah, that, that didn't work. Yeah, I can very easily see a scenario of both authors of Luke saying, like, I'm not going to include that story uh, because I want the focus to be to remain solely on Jesus. Mm -hmm. I could even see this parable as the replacement of, like, could be. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. we won't go into the story because I don't want anybody reading this going like, oh, we should, you know, maybe we should also celebrate Lazarus. Like, I don't want to create yeah. a distraction. Yeah. And then John coming along and saying, I don't think that's a distraction. I mean, you right. know how authors are. Uh, like, I don't think that's a distraction. I think that's a sign of what's to come. And it only, you know, supports and buttresses yeah. uh, the, the point that I'm going to make in my gospel. So it's going in. <laughs> yeah. And therefore, I don't need this dumb story because I have the real thing. <laughs> Take and, that, Luke. And, okay. <laughs> and John was not big on parables. Right. If, I'm, right. I don't think he has any at all, but I could be wrong on that. Okay. What he tended to do, what the gospel of John tends to do is have events serve as parables. Mm -hmm. So just as you just described, that I have the real story and people can ponder this just as much as any parable. Right. Um, therefore, blue pencil, this in, this out. Um, but only the Gospel of John has the what we technically call the resuscitation mm -hmm. of Lazarus. Mm -hmm. And... Only Luke has the parable of Lazarus. Right. So each of these are are unique. Mm -hmm. um, but I do find it interesting. That's yeah. all. That's all I'm saying. I just find well, it a little and interesting. It, and that's great because it makes us pause and, and think about Scripture longer. Yeah. Which sometimes I think is one of the major points of what God stuck in there is wake up, pay attention. Right. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. So yeah, exactly. You pause a couple more minutes on this one. <laughs> Uh, I'm also um, I'm also very interested in this uh, this image of heaven and hell that gets uh, put in uh, this reading. Um, Hades being um, a Roman, kind of like a, a Roman fixture, right? Isn't right. it? Uh, of, yeah. of, of the afterlife. I mean, Hades is. <clears throat> now I'm forgetting if that's the Greek or no? Hebrew. It's Greek. It's okay. it's Greek. I think. Yeah, that, that I'm remembering my Disney Hercules movie. Uh, good enough. Uh, <laughs> good right? enough for this podcast. <laughs> the, yeah, the, the idea of um, of Hades comes out of Greek philosophy and, the, and right. Some don't even call it theology, and so part of this is again, this is a parable. It's not mm. Jesus trying to say this is how the afterlife works. Right. Right. Um, and trying to use imagery that the listeners would go. Yeah, yeah, I, I saw something like that in the movie theater this week. It was a cartoon, but I really remembered. Right, right, right. That Jesus is trying to reach people where they are. But yeah. Um, and I think that even fits with like Greek, uh, uh, I almost said philosophy. It's not philosophy. Uh, the the, um, the characterizations of the different uh, uh, Greek gods yeah. that Hades wasn't able to be in the presence of Zeus. Like there, were, there was that great chasm between... Yeah. Uh, where Zeus was and all the all, all the, I was gonna almost said good gods, but a say, lot of them really aren't. <laughs> I was gonna say the, the partying gods. On yeah, their exactly. Beds. Right, 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 right. But there too in 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 that uh, in 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 those stories, there's a there's kind of an impassable. Yeah. Uh, uh, I wouldn't say chasm, but there's there's a separation that the those those deities can't. 
Yeah, and travel through. You know, and so even the people. So it's interesting that we're doing an intermixing of like, oh yeah, up there, maybe next to Zeus is Abraham. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, again, Jesus was trying to get his listeners where they were. One of the way the ways the Romans pacified the populations they conquered was by sharing theater. Mm-hmm. And so the popular entertainments would have been full of this stuff. Mm. And so I was only half joking and saying, oh, yeah, I saw that in the movie theater this week. My easily said, yeah, I saw how Hades could not get to Zeus in the um, Roman theater. Yeah, this that week. puppet play that, that was a <laughs> street performance. No, that, well, that too, but also these wonderful amphitheaters mm. with very with costumes and music and right. special effects and trap doors and all that. They really were spectacular um, to, to behold, memorable and. Jesus uses that just as a preacher today might reference the top movie or yeah, that's harder and harder to do since we have such a fragmented media world. But yeah, um, something that's in the popular culture to help make a uh, draw out some of the nuances of a teaching in a decent amount of time. Yeah. Um, I'm also uh, noticing uh, that this man, uh, this rich man. I wonder if, yeah. So he talks, he's talking to Lazarus and Abraham and calling for them to go warn his brothers uh, who are at his father's house. There's no reference of like, and tell dad. (laughs) (laughs) I had thought of that. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's like, oh, my poor brothers, you know, Jephus and, you know, they're so young. My dad's kind of a jerk. You can leave him out. You can you can let him figure this out for himself. <laughs> yeah, I've been studying this for like forty five years, and I've never caught that. What um, what I've always assumed is that dad's long dead, long dead, all this sharing is, the family yeah, home. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I that that could make a good. It wouldn't be his father's house anymore, would it? Or or, or oh, I suppose I suppose some people who come and do inheritance yeah. do view it that way. Like this isn't my house. This yeah. is my father's house. Yes. And it, you know, it was the all, oil baron of yeah, blah, blah. <laughs> yeah, the, the oil baron of Damascus, right? But if he is, uh, if he is alive, uh, yeah, this rich guy doesn't care about him much. Um, so yeah. dad can go to hell. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's probably on his deathbed by now, anyways. <clears throat> um, but yeah, it, that that I, I find that interesting. Um, yeah, and and the 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 indication of like. Hey, yeah, because you're you're right. Not only not only does it play it out in the story of John and the, and the raising of Lazarus, uh, not necessarily being that should be a prominent, uh, uh, you know, key point in the ministry of Jesus, mm-hmm. causing everybody to go, oh, okay, this is brand new. Yeah, this has not happened before. Right. Like this would this would be like a turning point. Well, and case it, closed, kind of a kind of a thing, and it's not. Well, actually, in the Gospel of John, it's placed so that that's the reason, and it's said that's the reason Jesus is arrested and crucified. Yeah, is that that was crossing the line, and Lazarus was beginning to draw crowds around it because people wanted to see this mm-hmm. guy who was mm-hmm. resuscitated. Whereas in the Synoptic Gospels, there there are a number of times where Jesus resuscitates people, the yeah centurion's daughter and such, right. And you never hear of them again. Yeah. Occasionally they might follow Jesus, but yeah, that's the last. But yeah, one does have to kind of play. I mean, I suppose that there's a link and a relationship between the rich man and Lazarus prior to their deaths. It kind of seems like it kind of seem that, that, that he, uh, I don't know. And maybe not, maybe he's just a stranger, but who longed to satisfy his hunger from what fell from the rich man's table. I don't know if that necessarily even means that they're in the same area or not, but well, would have loved to have had just the scraps from. It says that he lay at the rich man's gate. Oh, okay, at the, at the gate. Okay, but you're. But I still agree with what you said. The rich man may never have seen him, even if he had stepped over him. Right. Didn't register, even as Lazarus would have been very aware of every coming and going. Right. Of the rich man and everyone else in his house. Yeah, one would think that the more reasonable call would be like. Abraham, 
would you go visit my brothers? Yeah. <laughs> my brothers aren't going to know who this guy is. He was a loser. That's right. Uh, uh, and, and like the idea that you're going to send the poor beggar that everybody like probably, you know, yeah. put a hand up to the side of their eye. eye contact, and, like, yeah, don't no, say anything. Right. Um, would, would, would do anything. You got Abraham right there. Which, Ask him to go. <laughs> which also reinforces the parable story. The, the mention of yeah. just what you said. You know, why is the rich guy saying, saying send Lazarus when Abraham's right there? Right. And it's, again, the parable of the last shall be first. And it's the right. rich man saying, oh, no, Lazarus is the most blessed human around here. Right. Yeah. And your brothers have Moses and the prophets, to yeah. which the rich man should have gone, oh, yeah, send them. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. Them too. Moses is way better than you are. <laughs> <laughs> Good idea, Abraham. Um, uh, anything else about this uh, this uh, this well, parable? As with any parable, you keep going deeper and deeper. Mm -hmm. For instance, we just started with the relationship between named starring Lazarus and forgotten rich man. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and as I'm as I'm giving it a once over uh, before we leave it, uh, it does remind me of that. It, it, it does tie to that psalm. Yeah. Uh, uh, when the poor man died, he breathed his breath and returned to the earth. Uh, whereas Lazarus, it says, was carried away by the angels. Yeah. So uh, just a reminder. Well, that, when that, the rich man died, he returned to the earth. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's what I mean. Yeah. 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 The, sorry. Did I say it wrong? Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the. And here's yeah. Lazarus. Lazarus right gets carried away by the angels and the prince, uh, the, the yeah. rich man, uh, uh, breathes his last and returns to the earth. Yeah. Which is what. Um, Hades is, is simply yeah. returning to death rather than a place of torment. The Greeks made it a place of torment, and that theology is beginning to leak into Christianity at this point. Mm -hmm. Beginning to. <laughs> beginning to. I mean, by the time, I mean, Jesus seldom preaches a hellfire and damnation sermon like current Christians do. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. A more modern, um, modern approach. Yes. Even though it's steeped in <laughs> more medieval. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, all right. Well, then with that, I suppose we will call to a close this your podcast for September 25th, 2022, the 16th Sunday after Pentecost in year C, proper 21. Uh, we very look proper. forward Very so proper. I <laughs> uh, can't wait for us to get to the impropers. Um, uh, we look forward to worshiping with you this Sunday. Uh, uh, however, it works with your schedule, 8 and 10 o'clock in person with the 9 o'clock hour in person here at the church uh, in between for, for all ages. For Sunday school. Yeah. Uh, and um, the 10 o'clock service will be broadcast live on our YouTube channel, HFEC Videos. And uh, until next week, I'm Ben. And I'm Bruce. And we'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.